Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. You could save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, but when we just come out and say it, it feels like it falls a bit flat. So we're going to use humor. But we don't want to insult your intelligence, so nothing too goofy. And we need to avoid any polarizing topics. Oh, and it has to be about how you can save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. You know what? Maybe humor is a bad idea. Yeah, it's never going to work. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All-Hit Radio! Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, Exxon at ExxonRadioTV.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And to find out about the programming we have available for you, 724-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. And to find out about what we have on the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV, just go to www.simultv.com. And don't forget, we're looking for programming for our 24-7, 365 TV channel. So if you have any videos that you'd like to send in, or if you have a program that you've previously aired, that you would like to have over 30 million people watch it, send it to me at let me see, uh, what should we do, Craig? Which address should we use? Okay, we'll just send it to Exxon at ExxonRadioTV.com and uh, we'll contact you. It's that plain, it's that simple. Exxon Nation, my guest this hour is Denver Michaels. He is an author with a passion for cryptozoology, the paranormal, lost civilizations, and all things unexplained. 
At age 42, the Virginia native released his first book, People Are Seeing Something, a culmination of many years of research into the lake monster phenomenon. Since then, he has gone on to write Water Monsters South of the Border and Wild and Wonderful and Paranormal West Virginia. Denver is employed as an engineering technologist and works uh, full-time. He is married with three children. In his spare time, Mike uh, Denver enjoys the outdoors and traveling, and he continues to perform research and writing for future works. Now, here will you go, Exonation. If you'd like to find out more about our special guest this hour, Denver Michaels, visit him online at www.denvermichaels.net. And Denver, welcome to the Exxon. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great having you with us. As you, as I was telling you before we went on air, lake monsters, one of my most favorite topics. And I'll tell you why. When I was a young boy, my grandparents owned a, uh, a summer cottage on Missisqua Bay, which is part of Lake Champlain. And of course, Champ. You know, everybody talks about Champ. And, uh, you know, there are many lake monsters across Canada and the United States. So this is one of my favorite topics, and I'm looking forward to sharing an hour with you. Well, that's good to hear. It's, uh, it's good to talk to somebody that's, uh, that's uh, you know, uh, passionate about the topic as well. So tell me, how did you get involved in the passion of lake monsters? <clears throat> well, for me, um, uh, unlike you, uh, you know, growing up... Uh, you know, having a, a, a on a property that mm-hmm. you know has a, you know lake monsters and stuff. Um, down here where I live in Virginia, we don't we don't really even have any lakes or, or you know a few man-made lakes. So it was kind of later on, um, kind of a, later on in my teenage years that, that I kind of got into it. I, I'd always been into the paranormal and um, anything you know, anything kind of weird and unexplained. I mean, I remember like in middle school, going to the library and, um, I was that weird kid that would get the books on ESP and things like that and take them home and read them. But, right. um, you know, I, uh, so I'd always kind of, you know, kind of been into things that were unexplained. And I guess with, uh, with Lake Monsters in particular, I can kind of pinpoint it to, um, you know, to that old uh, show in the 80s that I used to love so much, Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, um, yeah. Robert Stack. Yeah. Um, you know, he was, he was, uh, he's just one of my favorites. And I remember uh, one of the episodes, I don't, I don't remember if it was in 1990, 91, 89, somewhere in that time frame, they did an episode on the Ogo Pogo up in British Columbia. And that kind of, um, I don't know, that kind of, uh, kind of lit a fire under me, I guess, because, um, you know, really, for me, I was just familiar with, like, um, you know, Loch Ness Monster, you know, I remember as a kid going to the supermarket and, you know, seeing the Loch Ness Monster on the tabloids and things like that, so I didn't really think much of it, but to learn that, um, you know, that not just, um, you know, in Loch Ness, but uh, other parts of the world, there were lake monsters, and, um, you know, from there, I just the topic just kind of stuck with me. Have you ever seen a lake monster? I have not. Um, you know, unfortunately, I have not. Um, I can say I've done a double take a couple times, you know, thinking that, you know, maybe I saw something. But I, I can't say that I've ever, you know, had a sighting for myself. Well, based on the research that you've done, could you give us a physical description of what these creatures are supposed to look like? 
well, this is, you know, this is a general, I, I kind of call it, you know, your typical, mm -hmm. in air quotes, uh, lake yeah. monster descriptions. And, you know, they're, they're fairly consistent. I mean, you, you get differences, but um, generally speaking, they're, you know, 30 feet long, you know, give or take, um, you know, 20, 20 feet, 50 feet. But, you know, generally, I, I'd say they're usually about 30 feet long, people describe them. They're um, uh, serpentine in appearance, uh, usually long-necked. Uh, you know, a lot of times people report, um, you know, seeing a neck above the water, you know, five, four, five, six feet. Um, you know, multi-humped, dark yeah. in color. Uh, their movements a lot of times are described as undulating. Um, I, I've uh, read or heard where people have described them almost looking like a sine curve, you know when it moves through the water and you know of course um like like i said sometimes the descriptions uh you know vary a little bit you know sometimes you'll hear of, of, of like flippers sometimes mm -hmm. not sometimes scales sometimes smooth skin but you know generally speaking you know 30 feet long dark in color serpentine in appearance how could these kind of monsters stay so elusive all these years without some sort of you know, smoking gun being discovered yet? Well, that um, that's the that's the sixty four million dollar question, I guess. And uh, you know, but but to me, you know, for one thing, I don't think that there's a heck of a lot of these things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you do have a lot of reports uh, scattered around, but I, I guess what I'm saying is, um, you know, that. They would be on the endangered species list, right? If you, you know, if you could prove that they exist, I don't think there's a heck of a lot of them. Right. But right. For, for the other thing, though, like a lot of these lakes that they inhabit, I mean, they're really big and they're really deep, you know, and and that's just a lot of water for these things to, um, you know, to you know to um, kind of avoid detection. You know, most of these lakes are. Maybe not most, but a, a great many of these lakes where um, where these uh, reports come from are rumored to have caverns, uh, un, you know, underwater cavern systems, and um, you know, some of them are rumored, you know, to lead out to the ocean or or to other lakes. So so there so there's that method that they could uh, you know travel back and forth between waterways, and um, beyond that. Uh, I've always kind of theorized that they that they live a very long time and that they you you know that you don't need um large populations to right. sustain you know colonies um, I I know that uh, maybe last year or the year before uh with the Greenland sharks that they were uh, they were talking about those living over 400 years so I mean what if um you know, maybe maybe these lake monsters have really long lifespans, too. It's just a thought. You know, it seems that those of you, and, and I, I know that you're into cryptozoology, pick the topics and pick the subjects that evade, um, you know, unprecedented proof. For example, the same thing applies to, to Bigfoot, and I see a lot of similarities between lake monsters and Bigfoot. Not into uh, the species, but I mean how evasive they are yeah I, yeah you're absolutely right and um and I, you know i'll be the first to admit i mean there is absolutely a, a frustrating lack of evidence 
bench, you know, and, um, there's, there's pictures, there's videos, and this is, this goes for Bigfoot, this goes for lake monsters, and, you know, it, it always seems like it's inconclusive, you know, you can never really get that money shot, I mean, to me, the gold standard for lake monster, um, pictures would be the, the, you know, this, uh, if you're familiar with the, uh, Sandra Mansi photo of Champ, uh, I think back in 1977, and for Bigfoot, I mean, the uh, the gold standard is still the Patterson Gimlin film from back in 1967, you know. So sure. um, with with all the time that's gone by and and upgrades in technology, there still really hadn't been any advances as far as evidence goes. All right, Denver, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our first break. Exonation Denver Michaels is our special guest. His website is www.denvermichaels. Net and Denver and I will be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X-Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell, Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. until 2 a.m. Eastern. Don't forget you can find out about all the programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the X-Zone Broadcast Network just by going to www.xzbn.net. Denver Michaels and I return on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Explanation. We're talking about lake monsters and cryptids this hour here with our very special guest, Denver Michaels is his name, and his website is www.denvermichaels.net. We were talking about uh, lake monsters, and um, is there any similarity between all the lake monsters in the world as far as descriptions, or are all the, are all the lake monsters' descriptions different? Are they found in different lines of longitude, latitude? What's the commonality between them all? Well, I would say, based on um, you know most of what I've looked into, what you find is the lake monsters in the northern latitudes, um, you know, the, the northern U.S., Canada, yeah. and then on over into Scandinavia, Russia, and uh, you know, parts of Asia, they're pretty consistent in the, um, in the descriptions. And then when you get down into the uh, Patagonian region of South America, you again get the um, – your typical lake monsters um beyond that though um you know in south america central america the lake monsters are a lot different there or, or water monsters I, I would more call them you know there are more your your dinosaurs your your large snakes um there's water tiger legends and, and a lot of the um you know the the cryptids there um o- almost seem to be mythical a lot of them why, why the difference? I attribute it to the um, whatever it is in the northern and southern latitudes. You know, you've got your 
you know, from the, you know, from the ice ages, you've got, you've got these deep uh, glacial lakes and, you know, predominantly these, um, that's, that's where the typical, uh, again, in air quotes, uh, lake monsters are found is in these, these deep um, glacial lakes uh, for whatever reason they're, and I don't know exactly what, you know, what the answer is, but uh, that's typically where uh, you find your, 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 the bulk of your lake monster sightings is in these, these real deep, uh, narrow, long glacial lakes. It seems that with all the modern technology that we have at our disposal, it would be a lot easier to, to do research and to actually find out what and if these mythical creatures really exist. How come that hasn't happened yet? Well, I mean, for one thing, you you know, to really get to the bottom of it, um, you'd have to take a take a lake with a lot of sightings, say maybe, you know, Lake Champlain or, mm -hmm. or Okanagan Lake. But, uh, you know, it would take a tremendous amount of research. And you've got to have, you know, you'd have to have, you'd have to have funding. I mean, um, I don't know anybody that's really, um, you know, just like a paid monster hunter, you know, I mean, it's, it's, um, it, it's not really, uh, you know, cryptozoology, you know, you can write books and, um, you know, kind of do this on your own. But, um, as far as, you know, being able to, uh, just be out there all the time and, um, you know, and, and to have the modern technology at your disposal, I mean, it would take a lot of funding and stuff. So, and so nobody's really, uh, that I know of is ponying up grant money to, um, you know, hire scientists to go look for these things. But what about that, that deep sonar or radar that, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, deep sonar scan uh, that was organized in Loch Ness? That was a couple of years ago and they found nothing. Yeah, I mean that's true, and um, you know the it it could be that um, you know that Nessie is uh, is traveling uh, you know back and forth between other locks or um, or the sea, or you know some people have speculated that um, you know that uh, that they go into the into the lock to feed at times, and then. Um, you know, swim out either through the lake or, or I mean, through the through the river nests mm -hmm. or or um, through these underwater uh, caverns. Um, and that could be one thing. Or, you know, I mean, it's it's got to be on the table that maybe nothing's there. Speaking about nothing being there, what role do hoaxers play in the lake lake monster phenomenon? Well, I definitely think that that um, hoaxers have a role. Um, you know, especially, especially, you know, back like in the 1800s, uh, you know, when you had a lot of the, um, real sensationalist, uh, newspaper reports and those kind of things. Um, I think that, uh, the, uh, Walgreen Lake monster in Nebraska can uh, be attributed to that. There was, um, you know, cause that lake, I mean, it's, I want to say I, I, off the top of my head, uh, I think it's only like 80 acres, so it's really not what you would think big enough to support a lake monster. But there were, um, you know, there were a lot of these stories, um, you know, many years ago. Well, can you uh, tell about that? a monster there? And mm -hmm. um, I, I think a lot of that's just uh, with sensationalized stories. And 
and and and even with a with a more modern one, um, uh, the Oklahoma octopus that um, that is almost just like something that uh, that it just kind of took off from um, you know from a TV show. You know, the, uh, the Animal Planet did a Lost Tapes episode on on the Oklahoma octopus, and uh, everything you read about it today is almost verbatim from that television show. Which you know, a lot of the script from the television show can be traced to a, like a Stephen King short story. So it kind of, um, you know, it almost just kind of took off from there. It seems like, so well, can you, can uh, I, I think, I think hoaxes and, and things like that do play a role. But, um, you know, with that being said, I, mm-hmm. I think that there's still, you know, there's still enough reason to believe that there might be a little more to the phenomenon. Can you tell us about the octopus story? I've never heard about that. Oh, the Oklahoma octopus. Well, yeah. so, um, Back in the mid uh, 2000s or, or late 2000s, there was a, kind of an uptick in drownings in um, several Oklahoma lakes, and um, uh, three of them, I believe. Um, it was Lake Tenkiller, uh, Lake Thunderbird, and Oolagala Lake, and I'm probably saying that that last one wrong. But anyway, they're all man-made lakes. So right there, you got to be a little bit skeptical if there's a lake monster in there. Uh, But at any rate, I mean, the reports were that like a little boy uh, drowned, and um, I think it was seven or thereabouts, you know, very tragic, but, uh, you know, like as he was... uh, Privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were looking at your phone while driving, let me say it again. Seriously, put down your phone. That is so unsafe. If you didn't do stuff like use your phone while driving, you could save money with Progressive Snapshot. But saving or not, just put it down. And if you did hear it the first time because you weren't looking at your phone, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors about bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations you know, fighting to stay afloat oh, that uh, he yelled that something was trying to, um, or, or that something was pulling him under. And, 
and so you know there i think there it said there was a 40 percent uptick in drownings from like 2007 to 2008 and and at any rate this story about uh you know um an octopus uh, like a freshwater octopus was in these lakes and um and basically it just goes that um that there were these teenagers that uh you know a couple of them drowned um you know uh and, and anybody, I, I would just tell anybody that's listening, you know, after we're done, if you're interested, just Google it and you'll, you'll see what I'm saying. Just Google Oklahoma octopus and uh, you'll, you'll just see the same stories repeated over and over where, um, uh, one of the girl's name was Ruthie simple and she had like blister marks from, uh, from tentacles. And, you know, I think she might've escaped the attack. And at any rate, if you just go back and, uh, go watch uh animal planet lost tapes oklahoma octopus episode pretty much everything you read on the internet about the oklahoma octopus can be traced there and but if you trace that story back a little bit it's very similar to a stephen king um short story called the raft where there were some uh you know there were some teenagers out on a lake and um it wasn't like an octopus there it was like this oily substance that Mm -hmm. would just kind of i guess if you got into water it would just kind of like absorb you or whatever so it you know it's very similar to to that short story so it's it's almost like um you know just kind of like that urban legend thing unfolding right before your eyes so what kind of animals have been blamed over time uh, for the sightings of lake monsters well, there's your, your typical culprits or um, uh, seals, you know, seals, uh, and, and you can see that, you know, the way that they, that, you know, the way that they swim, um, you know, the, the way that they dip in the water and those things. I know that um, uh, in Canada, the uh, the Igo Pogo um, in, in one of the lakes there, I think that's in Lake Simcoe, but I could be getting my lakes mixed up, but, but at any rate... Um, you know, uh, there'd been a lot of lake monster reports out of there and someone actually spotted a seal on the lake. So, you know, you could kind of attribute that to, um, uh, but, know, to the lake but is there, is, is there, of course is, you get, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Is there such a thing as a freshwater seal? There are freshwater seals. Yes. Um, up in, uh, I, I can't remember remember how many species there are I know that up in alaska uh iliamna lake they have a population of freshwater seals up there but um but even uh uh you know your saltwater seals um you know they'll they'll swim inland away sometimes and 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 end up in just like weird places uh you know further you know further away than they should be so you know i mean that that kind of thing happens it's, it's kind of rare all right stand by my friend you and i have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour and denver michaels and i will return on the other side of this break with the news here in the exome from our broadcast center in hamilton ontario canada don't forget check out all the fine programming we have available for you 24 7 365 at xzbn.net and also check out simul tv S-I-M-U-L-T-V dot com.
talking about lake monsters this hour here in the Exxon. Denver Michaels is our guest. He's an author with a passion for cryptozoology, the paranormal, lost civilizations, and all things unexplained. His website is www.denvermichaels.net. Uh, so let me see. The 5 to 10% of sightings that can't be explained by any of the previously discussed scenarios. What do you think are behind these reports? Yeah, um, yeah. So that that's kind of um, you know what I tell people mm -hmm. is, um, yeah, maybe uh, you know misplaced animals like we were just talking about seals, or maybe natural phenomenon like um, like waves or or light distortions on the water, or and then your hoaxes. You know that could probably account for ninety ninety five percent. Yeah, maybe even more. But what about that? What about that five percent? Mm -hmm. So, you know, what what I think, and of course I can't prove it, but I think that there's um something prehistoric, you know, maybe a, a plesiosaur-like creature, or um, like in Lake Champlain, a lot of people think that uh, a Taniostrophus, um, and that's um, you know a reptile from the Triassic that's you know about 20 feet long and it just has an exaggeratedly long neck almost a lot of people think that that's uh, you know behind champ sightings I think that something like that that um, you know has somehow lived a lot longer um, than it was supposed to have died out um, is behind it and and that might sound crazy but um, you know it's uh it, it's it's not uncommon for uh, for scientists to learn that um, something that 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 is extinct that they find out that it uh, you know it lived a lot longer you know than they thought. I, I can think of like the Siberian unicorn, you know, they thought it went extinct you know millions of years ago, but um, recently they they discovered that it uh, that it probably lived up to you know maybe forty or thirty thousand years ago. So. Um, it's it's not without precedent for something to, um, you know, to have uh, kind of flew under the radar, I guess. So tell me, Denver, what are your favorite uh, lake monsters? Probably my favorites, uh, I would say Champ and Ogopogo, yeah. just because of the number of sightings. Uh, I mean, with, uh, with, with Champ, I mean, I think that there's probably... I think I heard that there's like 600 documented reports in the Ogopogo. There's there's not as many documented mm -hmm. reports because I don't think they really you know really started uh, documenting them to the late 1800s. But um, you know the native tales go go very far back there of, of, of the lake monster sightings. And uh, you know another one I really like is um, in Lake Pondere and. Uh, in Idaho is the, uh, the paddler, uh, the lake monster's name is paddler. And, um, there's been, um, speculation that, uh, it might be, um, people might be mistaken a, uh, a quarter model, uh, Navy submarine for a lake monster because they do the, um, you know, they do their submarine testing of their, uh, you know, their, quarter and fifth scale models out in that lake and uh you know a lot of people think that uh the uh, lake monster sightings uh they did really start till um around world war ii out there so um it might be a lot of uh there's there's been a lot said that 
you know, maybe the, the Navy might have floated a uh, lake monster story kind of for cover for uh, some of the um, uh, secret activity that they were doing out there. So I, I think that's kind of a cool tale. That's cool. That is really cool. And when, it, when talking about lake monsters, what's the best way to, to approach skeptics? Well, you know, for me, the, the, the biggest thing is just, you know, look at how much, just look at how much water there is. And, and you know, a lot of these lakes, uh, like I was talking earlier, is, um, has access, uh, you know, to the, to the uh, oceans, either through, through rivers or, you know, underground mm -hmm. um, uh, subterranean passages, that sort of thing. And, and, and just look at how many lakes there are. I mean, you know, just look at a map of, uh, of North America, you know, Canada, and the Northern United States, just how much water that there, that there is. And, and these lakes are deep and, um, and, you know, it's, it's, for me, it's just hard to tell what could be lurking in, in some of these places. And, and with, um, and I remind people too, that, I mean, new species are discovered. Usually it's, um, it's insects or things like that. Uh, you know, in the Amazon, I think they, they discover something new every other day. Mm. Um, so, you know, like I said, usually it's something small, but, you know, occasionally, you know, something big is discovered. So, um, I just think that, that there's a world of possibilities out there. We, we don't know everything that, uh, that's going on. What does the scientific community say about lake monsters? Uh, they, um, you know, they, they, they're not too uh, receptive to it. Um, they, you know, in the cases where they would take it kind of seriously, um, it would, you know, they would typically point to something, um, you know, like a known animal. And really, I mean, that's the first place you should look. I mean, you should see if it could be explained by a, by a known animal. And, and, and typically people, uh, you know, uh, will point to sturgeons, um, uh, like alligator gar, you know, these really big fish that are, you know, that, that are known to exist mm -hmm. in a lot of these lakes and things. You, you cover other topics uh, that you write about, um, the paranormal, lost civilizations, and all things unexplained. Tell us about the, the lost civilizations that, that you have an interest in, a passion about, and share your experiences with us. Well, I'm, I'm really, um, these days, um, I don't know if I would really consider it a, a lost civilization, but maybe. Um, I, I'm really into um, Tales of Giants, um, and, uh, and, and that's a book that I'm working on right now. I'm working on a book about, uh, you know, the myths and the legends mm -hmm. of, uh, of giants all over the world, and, um, and and in part of the book too, talk about in you know actual like historical encounters. You know, like when the Spanish came to the New World and and encountered these um you know the native people that were seven, eight feet tall and that sort of thing. And that's that's something that I'm fascinated in. I'm real fascinated by uh, uh, you know the burial mounds and and things like that. Um, in North America, and, you know, especially in the Ohio Valley uh, and Kanawha Valleys of West Virginia, and um, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time traveling to, um, 
you know, to these mound sites. And, uh, you know, I've been trying to learn all I can about them and, uh, you know, pouring through a lot of old writings of, um, you know, these giant skeletons that have been recovered and, and that but, sort of thing. But if these, giant, if these giants did walk the earth, where did they go? And where are these giant skeletons? Well, where did they go? I think that um, that they were, you know, eventually uh, killed off or just died out, bred out for the most part. And the skeletons, um, you know, a lot of them, uh, you know, in the early days of um, westward expansion as, uh, you know, farmers were, were plowing fields, they were just tearing up mm. these mounds i mean just plowing right over them and and you know care wasn't taken with a lot of these uh these bones and things and and then in other times the the mounds they were they were looted and uh, desecrated and uh, the uh, artifact hunters uh you know would just you know would just take them and and do whatever and you know a lot of bones have been that have that have been in museum collections and things have been uh, you know returned to um, you know to a lot of the tribes that uh, have had claims on them. So I know a lot of it, a lot of them have been repatriated, but um, and then there's a lot of um, there's a lot of speculation that uh, you know perhaps. Um, maybe the Smithsonian, uh, you know, maybe, maybe even disposed of, uh, of a lot of the bones that they, that they may have had in their collection. It's hard to say, but, um, bottom line, I don't really know of any, um, any of these giant remains that you could look at today. Doesn't that make it hard for people like yourself who are trying to research this project? Yeah, it's, it's, it's extremely hard. And, um, and that's the, and that's, you know, that's the first thing that people say is, well, okay, Oh, uh, hey, genius! Where's the bones? <laughs> it's like I don't know, <laughs> but you know uh, the, the fact that there's, you know, that there's so many. I, I mean, just the the newspaper reports is is just incredible how many, and it's just like from the 1800s and and even early 1900s, it's just spoken of so matter of factly. Um, they'll just be just, you know, like on page eight of just some local newspaper somewhere. There'll just be a little paragraph, you know, um, farmer John Smith, uh, plowing his field, you know, recovered, uh, eight foot giant, you know, I mean, just that, that's, it's just so common. And then when you compare that with, um, with, with a lot of the, you know, the Native American histories yeah. and, and a lot of the other myths and, and, and uh, religious texts and things like that of giants. It just seems to me that there's got to be something, something, a little something behind it. All right, stand by. We're going to talk more as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon with our guest this hour, Exxon Nation, Denver Michaels. His website is www.denvermichaels.com, and we'll both return after this break. And don't forget... The Exxon Channel on Simul TV, www.simultv.com. And for all the broadcasting that we do here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
And welcome back, everyone. You're listening to us around the world on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and iHeartRadio. Denver Michaels is our guest, www.denvermichaels.net. Tell us about your interest in the paranormal, my friend. Yeah, I've always had an interest in the paranormal. I like to, um, you know, one of the things I do when I have some free time, I like to I like to go around to as many um, places as I can that are, are known for hauntings and, and things like that. When I was uh, doing research for my... Uh, for my West Virginia book about, uh, you know, paranormal and unexplained in West Virginia, I visited a lot of sites and, um, you know, like the, uh, the West Virginia state, uh, penitentiary, you know, for one, that was, uh, that, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty cool place. And, uh, you know, the, uh, trans Allegheny lunatic asylum, I, I just really enjoy, uh, you know, going to these places, learning about their histories and, um, you know, seeing as many of these places as I can for myself. So tell me, have you ever gone to a place to do research and you've had the hell scared out of you? <laughs> I, 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 my wife has, uh, she goes with me a lot right. and, um, she seems to be, a little more, I guess maybe a little more sensitive to that kind of stuff than mm-hmm. I am. I remember, um, I remember we were down in, uh, in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, um, between Christmas and New Year's, we went down there and we went to a, a cemetery down there, uh, a white Oak cemetery that's known for hauntings and just, just, uh, I mean, like really known for a, a lot of paranormal activity and stuff. And, uh, you know, we'd gone around the cemetery and, you know, it took a lot of pictures and stuff. And then she, uh, she took my picture by the sign and she, you know, as she's taking my picture, she's, <gasps> you know, drops the phone and, <laughs> And like, like started running, and I'm like, "What? What?" She's like, "Oh my God! There was there was something right behind you. It was like a, a figure of a man." And you know, so uh, she's had a couple of those type of encounters. I um, I haven't seen things to you know like that that she has, but um, you know, I kind of trust her. Um, you know, trust her intuition though, because yep. um, you know the thing with her is um. I'm into this paranormal stuff. She couldn't. She couldn't give a rip about it. I mean, she'd rather. <laughs> she'd, she'd rather be home doing something else. She just kind of goes with me, just you know, just to help me take pictures. Oh, come things. off it! Come off it! If your wife is anything like my wife, they'd rather be out shopping, spending our money, than be with us <laughs> well, <laughs> looking at this weird stuff that they consider to be. What are you guys nuts? <laughs> yeah exactly uh-huh. so that's that's what I, I think is so cool is is you know i i kind of get jealous that uh you know that she um kind of sees a lot of these things and stuff and i don't but um you know kind of you know kind of makes you think you know why do you think in the year 2018 people are still interested in ghosts well you know it, it's just because there's well, I mean, for one, because, I mean, weird things just happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 2018, we have this technology, but you, you know, you still have that, that thing that moved, you know, 
that you know you didn't move <laughs> and nobody else is in here right or or you know those uh those, those sounds or 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 you know like i was telling you with my wife yeah. like actually seeing like an apparition i mean that stuff you know still happens and could it also could it also be because here we are in the year 2018 and there are still mysteries that escape us with all our modern technology we still cannot discover what is behind the mystery well, that's exactly right. I mean, uh, we're not any closer to knowing any more about what happens when we die than we were 5,000 years ago, yeah, right? I mean, true. we could be having this same conversation in, in Sumerian, you know. Hmm. Well, all right, you open the door. Let me see what's behind door number one. What do you think happens when we die? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I... I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I. it seems like that there might be a little something to mm -hmm. the reincarnation thing to yeah. me. But, um, I mean, if who knows? I, I just, what I do think is that it's probably not, you know, what I was taught as a kid in Sunday school. I don't think it's, you know, it, it's you, you have to follow this or... You know, you either go to heaven, yeah, or and, you go to hell. Worship God all your life, or you go to a, you know, a literally burning lake of fire and brimstone. I don't think it's that. Well, wait a minute, the fire and brimstone. Uh, weren't they talking about Hawaii? <laughs> that's what. <laughs> yeah, that's something. What's going oh. on over there right now, isn't it? It sure is. It sure is. My heart goes out to all our listeners in Hawaii. Please stay safe. Um, What's your take on UFOs? Let me ask you that. Yeah, you know, UFOs, it's not something that, um, you know, I've really done a whole heck of a lot of research mm -hmm. into. Um, you know, it's something I'm interested in, not something I'm real knowledgeable about. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, I think that um, I do believe in, in, in extraterrestrials. I don't know if... Um, you know, if they're going around abducting people out of their bedrooms or not. I, I think a lot of UFOs are, you know, covert, uh, you know, military Black technology ops. that we'll yeah. learn about 35 years from now, that sort of thing. But I, I do believe that there is an extraterrestrial element to at least some of the sightings. Well, I was asking you that, Denver, because I know that there are a number of Bigfoot researchers who think or who believe there is a connection between Bigfoot and UFOs. Yeah, I've certainly heard that, and um, and and you know, I've um, I've seen that in some of the uh, some of the research mm -hmm. that I've done, looking at at some Bigfoot sightings, and then kind of cross referencing when the sighting occurred. There was one, I can't remember. It was it was in Illinois somewhere, but I was, um, you know, um, me and a, me and a friend were you know were were kind of. Um, you know, trying to figure out what was going on. And it wasn't a Bigfoot sighting. It was more of um, some other kind of strange cryptid. But, I mean, whatever. It's, it's a cryptid sighting. And so just, you know, just for um, for the heck of it, you know, I was looking through the MUFON database, and sure enough, there were two UFO sightings, um, you know, in that, in, in the, I, I don't know how far away, but it's like in the same county mm -hmm. that same week. And so, and you hear about things like that over and over and over. And, um, I know over in some places that I've, uh, you know, looked at over in Maryland, um, 
there have been a lot of Bigfoot sightings. At the same time, there have been like crop circles in, in farmers' fields and, um, you know, uh, UFO or at least uh, lights in the sky uh, is how a lot of it's been reported. So it, it does make you wonder if, um, you know, if there's some connection. Sure. I don't know what that connection would be, but, you know. Well, one of the one of the correlations that I did was that it seems that the first report about a Bigfoot at the same time appearing as a UFO sighting was shortly after the release of Star Wars where Chewbacca, I think that's how you say his name, I'm, I'm not a Star Wars fan, or Chewie, resembles a Bigfoot. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> makes sense, I guess. What kind of what kind of uh, influence do you think uh, Hollywood and the media has on the perception of people when it comes to the paranormal? Well, I think it has a great deal, and um, one thing that I've kind of looked at, and and what you know, what little UFO research I, I have done, mm -hmm. if you read books from back in the fifties. Most uh, and reports back in the fifties, you know, it was it was Venusians back then. Yeah. And nowadays, it's uh, you know, it's Pleiadians. Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? And and I, I can remember a report in um uh in in a in a book I read. Can't remember the name of the book now. But anyway, like a a spaceman comes out and and he's wearing he's wearing like a suit. And, and, and a tie, you know, kind of like how people in the 50s dressed. And nowadays, you know, our, we've got your, you know, your gray aliens and stuff. So it's, it's almost like that the uh, descriptions kind of evolve over time as our perceptions evolve over time. And I think those perceptions are, you know, largely driven by, uh, you know, movies and things sure. like that. Listen, our, our time is nearly up, my friend. First of all, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on all your books and uh, all the work that you're doing. Let our listeners know where they can find your books and where they can find out more about you, Denver Michaels. Yeah, um, my books are on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, so just you know, just wherever you buy books. And um, you know, people can go to my website, uh, denvermichaels.net. And I also have a YouTube channel, um, Author Denver Michaels. Just search for that. And I'm on Facebook and Twitter. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty active. All right. Denver, thank you so much for joining us. And I look forward to the next time you and I meet back here in the Exxon. Thanks for having me. It was fun. You take care, my man. ExoNation, my guest this hour has been Denver Michaels. His website is www.denvermichaels.net. Now, I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Once again, if you'd like to find out all about our broadcast schedule, who's going to be around, what we're going to be doing, when, where, how, and why. Visit us at www.xzbn.net. And for more information on Simul TV and how you can watch the X-Zone channel on Simul TV, simple, simultv.com. And don't forget, we're always looking for neat videos to play on our channel and get your videos in front of 30 million watchers. Send me your email. We'll be in contact. Exxon at exxonradiotv.com. We'll be back after this break. Don't go away.